Good evening, Newark. It's Friday night with friends, and uh, I'm excited that we are together. And tonight I have one of my very dear friends online with us. And her name, Gina Davis. Say hi, Gina. Hi. I am going to give you just a quick introduction, and we're going to jump right into our topic tonight. This is my friend, Gina Davis. She lives in St. Louis, Missouri. We became friends when we lived there and God just put us together and I've learned so much from Gina. I continually learn from her as she speaks into my life and uh, helps me overcome myself many times. Um, Gina, I'm gonna give you just a little bit of her background. She joined uh, the United States military um, in the army branch in 1979. She served until 1982 and she married Barry Davis. Uh, Gina and D Barry did visit us a couple years ago. They came to church with us here in Newark and they were married in 1980. They were married for 38 and a half years before he passed away a little over a year ago. They met while serving in the army and then together they met the Lord and received the Holy Ghost in Germany in 1983. Uh, they, Barry and Gina have two children, Joshua and Corinne. And then in 1986, Gina was diagnosed with a degenerative eye disease that is genetic. It's called uh, retinitis pigmentosis or RF for short. It slowly limited her vision um, until now it is she has less than 5% of her vision at this point. It hasn't stopped her. I'm not sure it slowed her down a whole lot. Um, there is no treatment or cure, and there is no one in her family they have been able to trace, trace this to. But a favorite Gina quote regarding this is that, I traded sight for insight. And that's, that's not a, an easy trade. But what a beautiful, what a beautiful testimony has has come come out of that. Gina's been a licensed minister for over 10 years with United Pentecostal Church. And for 25 years, probably even more than that, she's taught children, youth, she's taught at ladies' groups, she's taught parents, she's uh, worked with couples and ministers in teaching them about prayer and developing a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is what we are here to talk about tonight, is prayer. It's a huge topic. <laughs> it is a huge topic. We can't cover it all tonight. Um, but Gina, could you just start off telling us just a little bit about why, why is prayer your passion that you teach so much, that you talk to people, you pour into people. Even my children, she did, I think, spent a year working with my kids once a week, coming in and talking to them about prayer and teaching them just how to hear the voice of God and, and, uh, and, and spend time with him. Tell me a little bit about your passion. Why do you love doing this? I am, I think the, the main thing, I'm so passionate about prayer because outside of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name, I think it is the most exciting thing you will ever do. It is an adventure of a lifetime. Yes. Um, it's easy to, uh, if once you've been ex exposed, you, you've come into the presence of God, sometimes it's easy to forget that we are in the presence 
of the God who created everything. Yes. Um, and, and the thing is, is that he invites us to have a relationship with him, to commune with him, to fellowship with him. And all of that is done through the avenue of prayer and worship. And so to be able to help people to unlock that adventure right. that they can have with God, uh, once they discover all the different ways of how they can have that relationship with the Lord, your life will never be the same. And the thing that's exciting about it is that you never outgrow prayer and you never outgrow learning about prayer. You never reach a point. Right. I've learned everything I'm ever going to know about prayer. The more you learn about God, the more he reveals himself, the better you become at praying and having a relationship with him. So that, I guess that's why I'm so passionate about it. Yes. I, I learn more. I think every time we have a conversation afterwards, I get off. I'm like, wow, Lord, I, I want to learn a little more about this. And you're right. The more we talk to God and spend time with him, the more we are drawn into, into that conversation with him. Just a, a constant conversation. Um, I know you have a few things you would like to share. Uh, we had previously discussed um, a little bit about the importance of, of kingdom praying, how it's misunderstood, what it means to pray as a part of the kingdom of God. I don't know if that's where you want to start or if you had a different direction you wanted to, to begin tonight. Uh, we can start with kingdom praying. And I, I think that's probably one of the subjects that people have a lot of questions about. What is kingdom praying? And the first thing I always point out to people is when you have a kingdom, someone is ruling over that kingdom. So you have a king. Right. And it's easy to, um, when talking about kingdom praying, you know, let me beat down the doors. Let me rush into the presence of God. Let me give him, you know, my list. I've got to, I've got to cover all these different things that are involved in the kingdom. And then you totally miss that you are in the presence of the king. Right. So I think the first thing you have to understand is that you are in relationship. And then and we'll probably go back and forth a little bit when talking about uh, the prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples when they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Right. The first thing he said, you know, pray after this manner our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It talks about relationship. We get to have a relationship with the very creator, the king, the king of glory. Yes. We get to come into that presence and we can't take that lightly. And we can't come in and say, okay, um, here is your to-do list for today. Right. Uh, bless our missionaries, you know, take care of my family. Uh, we got a problem going on with the schools. Um, you know, uh, here's a community. We've got this going on. And Lord, don't forget about COVID and everything that's entailing. And so it's easy to come into the presence of the king and we give God a to-do list. And that's really not what he would have us to do. If we have true relationship with God, Sometimes it's best to come in always, I shouldn't say best, always number one to have a spirit of humility. I get to be with the king of glory. 
Yes. He has a will and a purpose for me every day. And that may look differently every day. So my prayer life is going to be varied. It's not going to be static. It's not going to always look the same. It's not going to always feel the same. But I let the King of Glory kind of guide me into what he would have me to pray concerning the kingdom. And I think one of the misconceptions of when people think about kingdom praying is, you know, if I don't do this, if, you know, if, if it has to be up to me. And so we beat ourselves up and we think, oh, I didn't pray for the missionaries today. Oh, I didn't pray for, you know, the pastoral staff or I didn't, you know, we didn't hit all those critical points on our list because we thought it was up to us. And what the Lord wants, wants people to understand is if it is to be, it is up to me. The me is not me. If it is to be, it is up to God. And so we have to tap into what God is wanting, what God is thinking, what God is envisioning. And we've got to tap into that and see what he has for us. It may be something very small on that day. It, it, it may not be as global as we think, but as we come into relationship and we get the mind of, of God and we get the will of the king, then that becomes truly kingdom praying. So what is the misconception there? What do you think people assume kingdom praying? Assume, so I have my list, you know, but but what do I, I have guilt. I mean, we've talked about this before. I have this pressure, this guilt. Oh no, I'm supposed to pray about all of these things. But where does that come from? What What is this assumption, do you think, assumptions we make about kingdom praying? Well, I think it's the, it's the whole idea of, if the world is to be saved, it's going to be because I did it, if that makes sense. Um, the Lord instructs, he says, you know, you're to plant and you're to water. I'm going to give the increase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything that we do is because we are instructed by God. We are not responsible for the results. And I think we, we put guilt in ourselves because, oh, I forgot to pray for Asia today. So therefore, there are people that are going to tumble into hell because Asia was not covered. Yeah. Uh, what if that's not what God had for you to pray for that day? So we can come in and we can, we can get into our place of prayer. And we think, you know, we're supposed to cover all these different places and all these different topics because I'm responsible for the kingdom. Well, I may have a very small part of kingdom that day. What if my focus that day was, I need to, to pray for, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I need you to pray for prodigals that day. Right. And so I have spent all my time with everything that's on my list. When God said, if you would have just asked me, I would have told right. you, here is Kevin and Susan and Bill and Jeremy and whoever. I need you to focus on them today. And then that becomes kingdom praying. Um, because God knows what 
what each individual is going through, whether saved or unsaved. He right. knows the scenarios that we don't know. And so he's trying to get us to a place where he said, I will reveal the hidden things. Right. And if we understand that God will show us different things, just like he said to Abraham, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm getting ready to do in Sodom and Gomorrah? Right. Abraham had no clue what God was getting ready to do, but he had such a relationship with him that God said, you know, I think I will tell Abraham what I am about to do. Therefore, he was invited into a situation of interceding really for Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. Yeah. And so while we're, I don't want to deviate too far from, from this topic, but give me a little definition. I know in another area we can struggle. Many of us as believers can struggle with what is intercession. Intercession is where we stand in the gap for someone else. If you want to make it as simple as that, we go before the throne of God in someone else's behalf. And that is what intercession is. Um, I think sometimes there's a misconception that I have to fall out on the floor. You know, I've got to be wailing. I've got to be, you know, wailing and gnashing of teeth. I've got to be moaning and groaning. Um, I've got to have this emotional response because that's, and I've got to pray louder and I've got to be screaming and I've, you know, I've got to do all these different things. You may do that, but that's not what is a prerequisite for intercessory prayer. You are standing in the gap. You are petitioning God on behalf of someone else concerning a situation. And that is an accessory prayer. As we, uh, I need to jump back just a little bit because yeah. I want to talk about Matthew chapter six, where uh, the Lord said, you know, when you go into your closet and you pray to your father in secret and your father who sees you in secret shall reward you openly. Right. It is important that we do have a place and a time that we dedicate to talking to the Lord and allowing the Lord to talk to us. But really, when he talks about that closet, it's not necessarily a physical location. It has to be you are closeted with God all day, every day, so that you are having dialogue. It's not a monologue where we, we you know, it's, it's very easy for us to get into God's presence and we have spent however long we spent and we are just 90 to nothing, just talking and we never allow God to say anything. Right. And so we have to learn to have dialogue where there it's, it's sometimes it's more important to listen than it is to speak. And we are closeted with him during this time. And we, you know, maybe ask God those questions where yeah, Rachel and I kind of talked about this the other day, where do you ask God questions? Um, Lord, as I'm closeted with you, who would you have me to reach? How would you have me to pray? You know, those, those 
questions that we learned when we were taking English, who, what, when, where, how much, the question that we normally ask that God is not necessarily obligated to answer are why questions. Why do I have to go through this? Why is this happening to me? Why, 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 why? And a lot of time God doesn't answer those why questions. He really doesn't. He says, I'll show you my goodness. Right. But if we would take the time to get quiet and allow God to speak, what do you think about this, God? This situation? Yes. How would you have me to pray about that? Because we can't have the attitude of we know what God wants to happen in this in a particular situation. It's just like, you know, the COVID situation or uh, a couple of years ago when there was just major flooding going on all around the country. God may have a different elevated purpose that he is trying to accomplish. But if we just, you know, we get into his presence and we start speaking all these different things and, oh, look, I did kingdom praying because I prayed my list and I didn't ask God. And he says, no, that's not really how I want you to pray about it. I'm not trying to get you necessarily out of a situation. I'm trying to get you to understand the mind, the will, the spirit of God in a situation. And that comes with being closeted with him and getting right. back to the intercessory prayer where God says, you know, my heart is troubled about this. Right. You know, God, what, what's going on? I'm troubled because, and he begins to expound why he's troubled. And then he, he, you get to feel that heartbeat of God. And then maybe he causes godly sorrow that might come upon you because you feel what God is feeling. You right. know what God is thinking because he's revealing these things to you. And because he is, then he says, stand in the gap. Pray about this. It may cause you to weep. It may cause you, you know, to when we talk about groaning in the spirit, those things, there may be emotion involved, but it may not be. And so intercession in its simplicity is learning how to speak to God in behalf of something or someone else that accomplishes his will. Right. Well, so can you expand a little bit on being closeted away? Cause I, I know we talked about that and sometimes we think it means we only, we have to be all alone um, in a place or without any interruptions. Mm -hmm. And is that, is that the case when you're talking about praying continually uh, where the Lord can speak to you? No, because we have to, as I say, learn how to practice the presence of God when we be when we feel and sense God's presence, it could be anywhere. So that should cause my spiritual antenna to go up like, okay, you know, I'm not getting ready to, you know, if I'm in the middle of a grocery store and God just all of a sudden I feel the presence of God, you know, that's not my time to fall out on the floor and start speaking in tongues. God may have a purpose <laughs> and it may be that I need to pay attention. He may say, go join yourself to someone in the store. Right. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Um, one example that's coming to mind, I can remember one time we were on vacation 
and we had a direct flight. I think we were we were going to Florida or something. I can't remember exactly where we were going, but we had a direct flight there and we had a wonderful vacation, but then they, they changed our flight so that we weren't flying directly back to St. Louis and they were gonna have us fly into Chicago. I'm like, seriously? We have to go all the way to Chicago just to come all the way back to St. Louis. And it's just like, the, <laughs> you know how you get annoyed? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're flying from, I think it was Florida. We're flying into Chicago and the pilot comes on and he says, you know, the flight attendants are preparing the, uh, the, you know, the cabin for our final descent into Chicago and the speech that you get. And instantly I feel the presence of the Lord as we are coming into Chicago. And I'm just like, okay. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, intercede for the city of Chicago. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the crowded plane. I put my hand over my mouth and I am interceding for the city of Chicago. I am praying for the pastors. I am praying that there will be a mighty move of God in that city. Lord, that you would tear down strongholds. That I'm praying everything that God is telling me to pray for that city. Right. So on that plane, I'm closeted with God. Yes. He, he didn't say, okay, once you land and once you get back to once you get back to St. Louis, I need you to immediately run into your bedroom in your regular place where you pray. No, because we need to have that mindset. I am closeted with God all the time. So at any time I can speak to God at any time, God can speak to me about things concerning himself, concerning others, concerning his kingdom. Right. And that's, that's powerful. We, we talk a lot about the fact that God's always with us and he's listening and we can get his attention and we can talk to him at any time, but making ourselves available for him to talk to us at any time. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think we have to, we have to, when you're, you have to think about it, you have to, you know, say, God, here I am, you know, I'm going to try to stay. Um, it doesn't mean we don't, it doesn't mean we don't have life. Uh, after you and I talked a few days ago, we were talking about this topic and it's good to refresh ourselves. You know, we get kind of in a rut. I know I do. I can get with my list and my rut and this is kind of what I'm praying and what I'm thinking, my, what I'm doing. And, and you talked to me. And so I was that morning I woke up and I said, you know, Lord, if you need me to pray about anything just today, just let me know I'm available. And I went on with my day and much later in the day I was in, I was cooking dinner. I had some dishes I was washing in between, you know, things cooking and kids are swimming in the pool and they're somebody's running in and out. And the presence of God was just so strong. And I felt the Lord just put someone in my mind and just said, they just, they need prayer right now. Just pray for them. And it was very peaceful. It was a very, very comforting presence of the Lord. And I felt to pray comfort for for some friends of mine. They needed a, they needed this presence that I was feeling. But like the Lord said, what you're feeling right now, they need to be feeling right now. And just pray that. And I did. I prayed that. And it was a beautiful presence of the Lord. But I wasn't even thinking about these people. They weren't on my mind. They really weren't on my radar. And um, But I, I, I do believe that because we had had that conversation and I was trying to be more aware, I was listening yes. instead of blocking, letting everything else fill uh, feel my, I don't, I shouldn't only be listening and being available to the Lord whenever it's on my agenda. 
Yeah, and, and you know, um, with saying that, I remember I was I was standing in my kitchen one day, and I think Corinne had been invited to a birthday party. And you know how when your kids are little, it, in the old days when dinosaurs roamed <laughs> the earth, and you went and bought the packet of birthday invitations and stuff and oh, you filled yeah. them out and you mailed them out and you know this date everything is going to happen and I was standing in my kitchen one day and just washing dishes and the Lord spoke to me he says I have that invitation every day he says but I allow you to fill in the information and I and I thought, wow, because what's on the invitation? The date, the time, yeah, the event. And God says, that is extended to you every day. I give you this wonderful invitation. You are setting the time. And I thought, what a what an awesome responsibility. And privilege we have that God says, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to talk with you more than we could ever imagine that this very God creator who made everything. He says, I am giving you full access any time of the day, any moment. I can speak to you and you can speak to me and tell you great and wonderful things. Yes. And it's the most, I, I truly believe that, that it's prayer is the most effective thing we can do and the most powerful thing that we can do. And it's one of the least, the things we do the least of. It's free. We don't have to travel. We don't have to learn multiple languages. Yeah. We can pray and we can talk to the creator the king. And yet sometimes it seems like it's the hardest thing to do. I think, it's, I think we make it hard because I think it becomes hard because um, maybe sometimes we view prayer as punitive. You know, if I don't get this done, then God's going to be mad at me or, you know, I, I, something's, something's wrong. And where God, I don't think he gets mad. I think God is disappointed because we didn't have the time to spend with him. But what is more important than spending time with God? Right. And, and if, he doesn't even require that we have to every time sit down. I mean, he's no, willing to talk to us while we're driving, washing the dishes, yes, uh, getting things done. But we have to turn our mind towards him. Towards him. Yes. And he reveals himself in so many different ways. He, like you said, that person needed to feel the comfort of God. God knows everything that we need. Maybe that day God says, you know what? I'm going to let you feel my comfort. Today, you need to feel my joy. Today, you need to feel my peace. While in prayer, while in communication and right. communion with him. And I think it becomes easier um, when we don't look at prayer as punitive, we don't look at it as, oh, I forgot to fulfill my obligation today because I need to pray. Yes, we need to pray, but we have this 
honorable position to pray. That's why I think it's the most exciting thing when God starts showing you himself and he starts revealing things about what he's doing and how he's growing you and how he's, he's trusting you. He says, here is some information. I know I can trust you with this. I trust you to pray about it. I trust you that you can hold that um, in intercessory or any number of ways that God will move upon a person. Um, you know, worship is a part of prayer. Yes. Thanksgiving is a part of prayer. It's not always about, you know, beating the drum and, you know, got to get all these requests in. There's so many different parts of prayer that God says, you know, it's just one big ball of just creative presence that you get to just, I just feel the Lord right now. Um, that if you could just learn, learn of me, he says to be yoked with me. And then he says, to learn of me. I will teach you great and marvelous things that you don't know right now. And to have that concept that God could teach me something. He could show me something. He can reveal something. And it, it's not punitive. It's just glorious. Wow. That's awesome. I don't know if there's really a good word for it. <laughs> that's powerful. I think that's what it says is joy unspeakable and full of glory because... Right. When you tap into it, it, it's just like trying to explain to someone that's never had water. But what does water taste like? Um, <laughs> it tastes like water. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to tell you. So when you tell somebody, you know, about receiving the Holy Ghost, you can't describe what that feels like. They have to experience it. And prayer is the same way. I can't explain, explain to you the full depth of prayer because... It's bottomless. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm interrupting here. We have enjoyed you, uh, what you've shared so far. We got lots of questions popping up in our, uh, in our queue here. Uh, someone asked for clarification, though. You mentioned that God gave you the, the analogy of uh, an invitation. Yes. Someone asked if you would go back to that and just say that again. They kind of missed what you were saying uh, about that invitation. Well, uh, God just let me know, you know, sometimes we, we view prayer as um, a good statement is, let's all invite the presence of God here today. Well, God is saying, my presence is already here. You don't have to invite me. I'm inviting you right. to come into my presence. That invitation is open all the time. You don't have to invite God to come into your presence. He's already there. He's saying, you know, you, you step in and I, I extend the invitation for you to come in and sup with me. Yes. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we have a, a question here. Uh, that says, what is your advice to someone establishing or reestablishing a prayer life as far as some practical things that they can, they can do? I would say um, trying to establish your prayer life, number one, don't beat yourself up. Uh, prayer is a marathon, 
It's not a sprint. You can't, I don't want to say you can't really mess up prayer. Prayer is simply opening up communication with the Lord. You can be totally honest with God. And that's why I love the scripture that gives us so many examples. You've got examples of David. He's, you know, he's angry. He's upset. And I think when you're trying to reestablish a relationship with God, there is nothing that you can't tell God. He already knows it anyway. So you can come into his presence and say, you know, today, God, um, I'm having a bad day. I'm really upset with you, God. And people are like, (gasps) blasphemy. God already knows you're upset with him. That's right. You can have honesty in the presence of God. Use his word. um, Speak his word. If you can't figure out, you know, I don't know how to pray about this. Get into the word of God. There might be something that instantly clicks with you and you can pray the word of God. You may, you don't have to, you know, pray like five chapters. There may be one verse that just sticks out to you and the Lord will just implant it into your spirit. And you're just like, wow, Mm -hmm. a good concept. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I never saw that before. And you begin to pray that. Um, another practical thing I tell people, learn how to listen to learn God's voice if you don't know his voice. And this is something I have done with kids. I've done it with adults. Um, always have a journal or paper or pen because you want to make sure you capture what God speaks to you, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I tell people you're trying to get quiet before God, set a timer. If, if your mind wanders everywhere, I've done this with kids. How long do you want me to set a timer? Oh, set a timer for two minutes. Okay, I'm going to set a timer for two minutes. I'm going to try to, you know, get my mind geared toward God for two minutes. And if something comes to your mind that's a distraction, write it down. Get it out of the way or you will spend your entire time mm-hmm. just Focus, oh man, I can't think about God because I'm thinking about, write it down, get it out of there. Get those distractions on paper, move that paper away from you. It's like, okay, God, now that I got that out of my system, I'm now ready to hear for you. If it doesn't work and you still distract it, take another two minutes. There is no set pattern to prayer. You can establish your own way of doing things um, because you are an individual and God you sees you. What you said right there, there is no what? There is no, um, there's no set, no set pattern of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we've prayed, you see the prayer wheel, I start with praise, let's end with praise. You got the prayer sandwich and all those things are good. They are wonderful tools. But if that's the only way you get locked in the prayer, you will miss a lot. Mm-hmm. Because right. what if you came into God's presence? Um, and this goes back to the, this is about communion. This is about a relationship. You go to sit down and you think, oh, I'm going to start with praise. Immediately God speaks to you and he says, I need you to pray for X, Y, and Z. You didn't get to start with praise. Mm-hmm. I need you to go to bat for so-and-so right now. They need a miracle. So there is no set pattern to prayer. 
Right. Amen. That's a really good point. You mentioned children. And one of our questions asks, how can we help children begin a prayer life? Any books, um, any advice on that? On that note, you mentioned a few just there. That's a whole seminar, huh? (laughs) It is a whole seminar. It really is. Um, One of the, because I used to teach, I have taught kids from, I would say probably from four and up and teaching them how to pray. I think one of the most important things you can learn to learn to teach your kids is learning to, to, to understand the presence of God, number one, and learning the voice of God at a young age. And if you look at the the example of Samuel, Samuel uh, was in the temple every day. Mm-hmm. Every day he's in the temple, and yet he did not recognize the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Eli had to say, okay, mm-hmm. God is probably speaking to you. Now go back. If you hear that again, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And if you know how to hear the voice of God, you learn to teach your kids the same thing. You learn to teach your kids how to feel the presence of God. And this is something Rachel and I have talked about, you know, you're in prayer and you think, well, I got to have my prayer time. I got to get my kids away from me. Don't always let that be. Mm-hmm. You are in the presence of God. Maybe your kids don't even recognize it and you bring them in with you in prayer and, and you begin to feel the presence of God. Mm-hmm. You teach your kids. Do you feel that? Mm-hmm. That's the presence of God. Right. That's very good. Because they've got to learn how to practice the presence of God. The earlier you can teach your children that, the better off they will be. Because here's the thing that's so cool about the whole story of Samuel, is God didn't start with, oh, Samuel, I think you're such a wonderful child and you've been in the temple all these years and I think it's just awesome. No, God revealed to him, he says, this is what I'm getting ready to do in Israel. He showed him what he was getting ready to do in the kingdom. And if your children learn from a young age, I hear from God. God just spoke to me. This is what he showed me. Mm -hmm. If they begin to write that down, they will learn from a young age. I have power with God. Mm -hmm. God speaks to me. God does all these different things. And then they're learning. And then God uses them. Yes. Absolutely. I think you made a really good point earlier when you talk about our attitude towards prayer. Uh, you know, how, how so often we look at it as this task list, you know, this thing we have to do. And, you know, we pass on that attitude to our children. Uh, you, know, you know, we make it this, this, this big chore instead, yeah. of an, instead of an honor to be in God's presence, to be able to tap into the king um, and to be, to be his servants in the way that we have, you know, we have the, the, the gift of being able to uh, be a part of his work here on earth. Yes. And so the way that we, the way that we model prayer uh, is very important. That was a very good point you made about allowing them into that presence and teaching them how to feel that. And and let me just say this, because uh, my husband and I, uh, we started uh, years ago, we started teaching kids 
from age four, I think we had from four to like age eight was our first. Mm -hmm. It was called, uh, I can't even remember, senior moment. Um, but then we started incorporating the same principles into our Sunday school um, time. And so what I did was I gave them a safe environment. Okay, we're going we're gonna to spend, you know, two minutes and we're going to wait on God. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see what God will speak. And I would teach them, okay, sometimes God speaks to somebody uh, through written word. And so they're writing, you know, maybe God will give a kid a vision. Mm -hmm. Okay, draw that out. Mm -hmm. And if you want to share it, they would share it. And so they got so used to practicing the presence of God. And, and at this point, these are nine and 10 year olds in a Sunday school class. Mm. And God would begin to speak to them. And then I would give them opportunity. Okay, so now we're going to, now that you know the presence of God, you know the power of God, we're going to let you practice and let God use you. So then I would bring people into the classroom that they could pray for. Mm -hmm. And then God began to heal people in our Sunday school class. Oh. Blind eyes open. People healed of cancer, just all kinds of miracles because they had learned. I have a relationship with God. I understand his voice. He speaks to me mm -hmm. and he's using me to minister to other people. Wow. They don't, a lot of times they don't associate the, the weights and the baggage that we do. They yes. trust the Lord. They're, they're children. They trust God. And yes, they do. They can go pray for somebody one minute and then go play with Play-Doh, you know, three minutes later. Yeah. And yeah, that's what God did. That's you know what God what did. <laughs> In fact, this is so interesting because our, our, our children's uh, ministry person, uh, Elizabeth Lloyd, we were teaching the kids and healing and all this kind of stuff one night, kids prayer. And so they... I, I can't get into the whole, like I said, we're, we're barely going to scratch the surface tonight, mm -hmm. but we were talking about healing. And so I just taught them a very sim simple principle, uh, lab praying. I, I taught Rachel's kids about lab praying. It's listening and asking, building faith and being bold. So you learn to listen, listen to God, listen to people. You ask questions, you ask God questions, you ask other people questions, you build faith. Do you believe God can heal you? Yes, yes, yes. Do you believe when I lay hands on you, God can do this? Yes, yes, yes. And then you be bold. You step out by faith and you, you become a, a, you know, you become a part of that. It works with kids. It works with adults. It's learning how to just really hone in on what God is doing, what God is saying. And that's why I'm passionate about it. That's why I try to teach as many people as possible this is it's not just it's not it's not drudgery right. mm -hmm. it's not uh, you know mm -hmm. i didn't get my hour in today you know that day god may not need you to pray an hour he may need you to pray effectively for 15 minutes mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's what he has for you that day mm -hmm. You know, I want to interrupt right here. I know there's a lot of questions, but Gina, I'd like for you to take just a minute in some of our conversations we've talked about. You talked about healing, 
Mm-hmm. And I, I want I want you to talk to us for a minute about the fact that God God has not chosen to heal your eyes. And and you've also been the last year processing your prayer life through horrible, enormous amount of grief yes. with the loss of Barry. And and I want you to kind of talk a little bit about how we can have faith and we can pray, even though we are and not be consumed by our own issues, because many times God says, no, I'm going to let you. It's more in my plan for this to happen. Well, I want to talk about my eyesight, losing my eyesight. You know, I spent years, literally years, every time, you know, somebody would come, an evangelist would come, or somebody had a healing ministry, you know, you go up to the altar and you're praying, and then you're disappointed, and uh, all these different things, and it's easy to get bogged down in the journey you're in. And I can remember that the Lord spoke to me on two occasions. No, I I went to a ladies' conference, mm. and the speaker said, "You know, the Lord's in the house, and whatever you ask Him, He will give it to you." And I stopped for a moment, and I thought, "Lord, if you never heal me, I will be healed in heaven. It's more important that my family saved." I want my family to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I have watched over the years as God filled numerous members of my family with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. As my vision continued to, to falter, I was standing in my kitchen one day and, and the Lord spoke to me. He says, you keep talking about, because at that ladies' conference, God gave me a promise. He said, I am going to heal you. And when I do, it's going to be for my glory. I'm like, cool. So, you know, when I surrendered mm-hmm. myself to him and, and said, okay, if you never heal me, what's the very day that God said, I am going to heal you. So I was like, okay, then whenever it happens, that is no longer my focus. And then I was standing in the kitchen. I'm thinking, oh, you know, when God heals me, he's going to get so much glory and all this kind of stuff. And the, and the Lord said, you think when you get healed that all this glory is going to happen and I'm going to use you. He says, I want to use you now. Mm. So you can't let whatever you're going through be the stumbling block to keep you from fulfilling the will of God. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, when God told me he was going to heal me, my vision was pretty good. So now that I'm at a place where I have less than 5% of my vision, it really has become a thing of I've traded sight for insight because God has helped me to understand the things mm-hmm. concerning himself and the things concerning his kingdom. They need to go forward until he fulfills his will in me. I cannot get, I can't be at that, you know, th- that stop and everything just stays right there. Mm-hmm. Oh God, you know, if you would, if you just, you know, maybe this, I can't worry about that. And so people are like, well, aren't you praying about that? No, God already gave me a promise. He's going to do it. Why am I spending my time worrying about when God is going to do it? His promises are yay and amen. Oh. Mm. Amen. His promises will be fulfilled. So okay. I can't just spend all my time worried about me. Number one. Number two, this last year has been the hardest year of my life, losing the love of my life. And I'll try not to cry because I thought, and I had this conversation with God, 
Lord, how could you let my husband be a part of losing my vision all these years? And then you not have him here to see the fulfillment of his promise. Mm. I, I remember one day I was praying and this is before he passed away. And I'm just like, Lord, I don't understand. You know, you could give us 20 more years of marriage. And I'm just, you know, pouring my heart out to God. And God speaks to me. He goes, will it be easier in 20 years? Mm. And I had to stop and think about that. And trust me, I have had this year of believing God for great and mighty things in the midst of grief. That is the word he gave me at the beginning of the year. He said, your word for this year is believe. Believe me for miracles, signs, wonders, even as you're going through grief. Last year, as I watched my husband battle cancer, my word was rejoice. And God taught me through that so many different ways of rejoicing. There's so much in scripture, rich things in scripture about rejoicing. That is a result of closeted with God, communing with God, even when you're going through it. Because God says, don't get bogged down in what you're going through. Storms are going to come. But God's in the boat with you. Oh, yeah. Praise him in the middle of it. Praise him in the middle of it. Connect with him in the middle of it. Understand what he's doing in the middle of it. Yes. And you have to leave your situation in God's hands and God's timing. Amen. All right. Amen. Ooh. Yeah, we can go for a while on that. I'm not to pull myself out. All right. Amen. <laughs> well, we have a question here that asked, that's asking... Um, what has been your experience with fasting oh, after that? Where do you think that intersects with prayer? I would say that fasting is definitely something that if you are physically able to incorporate it into, into your life, you definitely should. If you cannot fast food, there are other things you can fast, like fasting media pulling yourself away from things in the world, getting, you know, spending that meal time, um, all day time, uh, fasting. I always recommend that people read Isaiah chapter 58 that talks about fasting mm -hmm. and what God says, here's the fast that I have chosen. And this is what fasting does. It breaks things. It aligned, aligns things. And scripture says, Jesus said, not if you fast, but when you fast. Mm -hmm. And we do not fast to try to twist God's arm to give us what, our, what we want. Mm -hmm. It is not a tool that we use to say, okay, God, you owe me. I fasted. Right. What it does, fasting aligns us with God. Mm -hmm. It changes us and in, in what we're focusing on. Yes. It changes our focus. It it breaks down some things within us in our flesh. You know, our flesh doesn't want to fast. Amen. And not fast. You just have to grab your flesh by the back of the neck and say, "You are doing this. You are doing this." The other thing that I would um, there are different kinds of fast. Um, I do recommend that 
if you are going to fast, there are God called fast. Mm-hmm. Like somebody will say, you know, I'm going to fast for 21 days. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not going to be successful. Let's you try know, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we get those grand ideas of, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this, this fast because that's what Daniel did. He did 21 day fast and he had, you know, the angels showing up and giving him instructions that is a God called fast. Uh-huh. There may be seasons when God will call you to a fast mm-hmm. and he will, he will empower you to get through it. But if you try to do that on your own, I'm just telling you, you will fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just being honest is you probably can go probably one to three to four days in a fast and it's, it's good but anything past that is usually a God called fast mm-hmm. and he has a particular reason and a purpose for you doing it. Right. And he will empower you to get through it. All right. All right. Well, sister Moss is asking, when did you realize the importance of prayer? Was there some specific instance that caused you to start this special part of your life? Is Like when did prayer become a thing for you? Hmm. I think Oh boy. I'd probably, I would have to say that I would have to go back to when I was a child Hmm. and I was not raised apostolic, which is, you know, I, I was raised Baptist, but even back then, when I look back, I can remember particular things. I had such a desire for the things of God. Mm -hmm. I had desire and God, showed me things back then, even before I had the Holy Ghost. And that's why I say it's so important to, like with your children, understanding there are things that God is showing, revealing, that maybe you don't understand as a child, or you don't understand, you know, even as a young adult or whatever. But the more you, you learn, and I guess for me, it has been it has been such an adventure. I can't, I can't just pinpoint, oh, that was when God just made it a, a you know, a priority in my life. I think as uh, when you look at Ephesians chapter one, it says, you know, Lord, uh, uh, Paul is praying that you would give them the spirit of wisdom and of a, re- a revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. Mm-hmm. And as you begin to get wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, you can't help but to become elevated in prayer. And then when you're there, you're like, wait, this is not enough. Oh, I want to be elevated more. So as God gives instruction, as God teaches you, I think it creates a desire within you. I've got to do this better. I've got to do this more. I've got to understand where God is with this. And I've got to understand where I am with this. That's why it's not a drudgery. It is an adventure. Mm. Oh, yeah. Amen. You've, inspired, you've inspired me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I have a question myself. And you, earlier you mentioned... Um, praying for your your eyes and you know, praying about your husband, your your personal um, experiences with God not answering prayer, perhaps in the way that you intended him to. Yes. And um, 
you also mentioned what all of us have been through. We go out to conferences and we go to different places and we pray about these issues that, you know, we seem to pray about them every time. And, and uh, there seems to be this, this common thought that if God doesn't answer your prayer, it's because you don't have enough faith. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that is what you already said. We have, sometimes we have a preconceived idea of how God is going to answer a prayer. And if God doesn't answer it in the way that we think he should, God didn't answer prayer. And that's probably a misconception. Mm -hmm. He did answer it. When I prayed about my husband, God said, mm, no. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to accept God's answer. But it doesn't mean I didn't have faith to believe God. I believed God up to the point he took his last breath because I told him, I said, I know you can raise him up off of this hospital bed if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. But I, the thing is, God says, don't judge anything before it's time. He knows the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. My husband, I feel, is still... Prayers are still being answered. Influence is still being made because of who my husband was. I shouldn't say was, is. Mm -hmm. There are things that God is still accomplishing through his death, which are answers to prayers that maybe someone else prayed. Mm. Our prayers are not always about us. They're about they are always about what God is accomplishing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not my will be done. Mm -hmm. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not a lack of faith. And here's the other thing about faith and prayer is that we can have faith in faith and we can have faith in prayer and not have faith in God. Mm. Wow, so say that one more time. Can you say that one more time? It's easy to have faith in faith. Well, I have faith. Okay. Therefore, I can move mountains. God said I could. If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And so I have faith in faith. Mm -hmm. Or I have faith in prayer. Well, God, I just spent three hours in prayer. So you owe me because I have faith in my prayer. No, I have faith in God. Amen. I have faith that because I have prayed, God is going to accomplish his will and his purpose because he said his word would not return void. Mm. He's going to accomplish it. And therefore, I have spoken something into the atmosphere through my prayer. And God says, because you've done that, I am going to move and I'm going to act and I'm going to do all these things. And they're all working together. They're not all good, but they're all working together for good. And I'm going to accomplish my will and my purpose in you, in them, in the world, in your community. All these things are working together. So our faith has not, it's not that you don't have faith. You just have to make sure your faith is in God and not in other things. Your faith is not in the 
it's not in how you thought that was going to be answered. Mm -hmm. And even if God doesn't give you what you thought you needed to have, it doesn't mean you don't have faith because Romans chapter 12 says, I believe it's Romans 12. It says he has given to every man the measure of faith Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you are, if you are in the word and you are learning about God, you have that, you know, sometimes you read the word and it's just like, it just bubbles up inside of you is well, faith is being activated. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is, this is powerful. This is strong. And so what is it pointing you to? It's not, it's not pointing you to yourself. It's pointing you back to God. Like, God, you're incredible. You can do anything. You can do everything. You, you see what I'm saying? It has to be. Mm -hmm. It's not your faith. That's, that's, the problem because you have faith all right that was beautiful well you stirred up my faith tonight (laughs) we are uh one minute past the hour here i want to hand it back over to rachel uh to close us out thank you so much for being with us tonight we appreciate you i see some invitations for you to come and be with us in our in our chat box and and, uh, as soon as, as we can possibly get back here together in person um, yes. And so I can tell from the activity in our chat that folks have enjoyed your ministry and you speaking to us tonight. And I appreciate that. Rachel, I'm going to hand it back over to you. All right. Well, we are excited. And, and yes, we'd love to have Gina back on. Uh, we have a few things here on my list we didn't get to, which we talked about previously. We knew we wouldn't, but I would love to come back together and talk and visit. Um, we appreciate everybody being here tonight. And uh, we're going to be signing off in, in just a second. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say anything else. I didn't, I didn't make a list, but um, you can visit us for any of your information, any questions you have on newarkupc.info. And, and we're excited to be together and look forward to our broadcast tomorrow night. So check us out if you have any questions. You can contact the pastoral team through that website, uh, through email or, or phone number. So we love you all and hope you have a good night. God bless you. We'll see you again.